Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Sophie will ask questions from the Bible Live leaders. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of The Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. Well, welcome. This evening, this is Soapy's daughter. <laughs> but Miss we do have, Soapy. Yeah, there you go. Uh, but we do have Soapy in the studio. Um, thank you all again just for the prayers for him. Uh, he, I think it's so special each evening. Well, each Sunday evening, I guess, that uh, he comes up here. It's a very long day, and that's tough for any person, let alone someone that had a, a pretty yeah. uh, significant stroke well, we got the a couple day, month, four months ago. We got the day, Stacey, off to a great start today uh, since post-COVID. After COVID, uh-huh. we broke a record for our attendance oh, this morning. Almost 1,400 mm-hmm. young men and women oh. coming to hear the gospel, to be strengthened in their faith. We had 81 Mm. actually uh, indicate in writing that they committed their life to Jesus Christ today. Mm. So we set the angels dancing in heaven and uh, (laughs) for our little corner of the world. We we prayed actually every, every Sunday we pray before our classes. And we pray that today will be a great day of celebration in heaven <laughs> around the world, yeah. that men and women, uh, boys and girls, will trust Christ today around the world. And we trusted that it happened, it's true. But in our little corner, little old San Antonio, we have our little uh, weekly miracle uh, that goes on there with the trainees going in, into the Air Force. And almost almost fourteen hundred come today. We're growing bigger and bigger, right. and uh, eighty over eighty made that first time commitment to Christ as Savior and Lord of the of their life. So we oh. were we had a great start. Oh. I got good red, so I'm hopeful I can be pretty sharp tonight. I can speak. Uh, clearly, <laughs> so our people can understand. Yeah. But uh, I still count on you, my dear daughter, <laughs> to uh, lead the way. And as we look at the books of Ezra and Nehemiah, we're, we're after, after finishing the Chronicles, which they believe were written largely by Ezra, mm-hmm. we enter these three uh, books, Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther, Esther, the three books about events that happened um, upon returning to Israel right. from the 70 years of exile in Babylon. Right. And these books uh, covered, uh, basically, there were three groups, large groups, and one group of 50,000 
and another group of a couple of thousand in, in, in smaller group. And we have the leaders when we led them, and we had this record of what happened to them. And it's a very interesting record because it not only tells their experiences, but it tells how they got there. It tells about the uh, Cyrus, the emperor. It tells mm-hmm. about Darius, who did a, a, a check on his archives to to ascertain and make mm-hmm. sure. We hear in uh, Nehemiah, we'll get a Hasuerus, which is Artaxerxes, and uh, Artaxerxes the second, who was the, the husband of Esther. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we've got history here coming together with this, the events of these people and, and the progress they made in returning to Israel, returning to their God, mm-hmm. uh, a, a revival, a general revival breaks out among them. They face many hardships and difficulties, but they rebuild the altar, they rebuild the temple, mm-hmm. and they rebuild, uh, under Nehemiah, they re- rebuild the walls around right. Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. So it is really a fascinating study for us to be in. Yes. And we have it all ready and by the way, our listeners, if you want to hear it, you can go to BibleLive.com mm-hmm. and hear the studies. And you can see the questions, the study questions that we have that help you uh, get the, the major points of the passage. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, you can go to BibleLive.com or www.BibleLive.com. It's very easy to see just right on the homepage what the week's reading is, or if you go to um, programs and then podcast in the um, menu, you can get all the archived readings. And uh, so you can catch up. We did Romans. Uh, we were in Romans last week, and so you can catch up. We did or... Romans real <laughs> fast. Know, too too fast. fast, really. <laughs> I know. I I went to read there, you know, to listen this week, and I was like, hey, wait. <laughs> Where did Romans, Where did Romans go? go? Yeah. That was a lot of fun. But we'll be back in uh, reading some of Paul after this this next week, right? We're back We're in Corinthians. we this, this week and next week in oh, Esther, Ed, uh, Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther. Mm-hmm. I think we start a Corinthians about Wednesday mm-hmm. of next week. But I will, I want to just quickly say, love. I think I say this every year. I love your reading schedule. I think it's so fun to go from the old to the new. And because, you know, in a way you think it's so much time that passed because it's the old and then it's the new. It's really not that much time. And when you're studying or if you know kind of history alongside some of this, I mean, before you know it, we're at Alexander the Great, then Julius Caesar, then, you know, Caesar Augustus. And in the days of Caesar Augustus, Jesus, Jesus is born. <laughs> Jesus is born. It, it's it, a very it's quick. True. Yes. And then, uh, and then you know, to, to modern, to now, it's really, um, it's not that much time. And I think that's kind of a, 
a fun thing. I think that's a a, phen- a biblical phenomena. Uh, the I don't maybe, but uh, the more that you read it, I also wanted to note this is I think my third year now through. I'm well have completed right. Yeah, thank my you, John. My goodness, third year through, and uh, I think I had mentioned this before, but when I first moved to Los Angeles. It felt very foreign to me. I had actually been in New York, and so I had had Texas, New York, and then I moved to Los Angeles. And I think, I mean, I had been there less than a year, and, you know, everything was really hard and (laughs) crazy and spread out and traffic. But you always wanted to work in the movie industry. Well, sure, in film, I mean, yes, I mean, I grew up with mm -hmm. Gladiator and Braveheart Mm -hmm. and Lord of the Rings, you know, so I had some, we had some good movies in our time, but, uh, or growing up, but um, I had a good friend who's a strong, who's a believer, he's a Christian, and uh, he was in the industry, and, uh, but he was just talking about being in L.A. and not from L.A., and he said, it takes three years before you start to really feel as if it's maybe home. It starts mm. to feel kind of settled and comfortable. And he was right. I was there about six years and it really did take about three years to finally feel like, cause the first year is just, you know, the first year you're just figuring out what's what and where and who yeah. second year is still fairly new. And then maybe, but still, you know, the novelty, but by the third year, think you feel like and and i i think that that is the same Hmm. in scripture (laughs) i think it takes three years to start really feeling a little at home in god's word and as if you might know (laughs) but as if you might be able to start um pronouncing some of the names or um, seeing, you know, the roadmaps and, oh, right, this goes here. That's right. Oh, right. If I take this exit, I get to here. But, you know, it starts to. So I want to maybe encourage that. I think a lot of um, people maybe have the goal of reading the Bible in a year. And that's wonderful. Yes, of course. But I think maybe even stretch that and say, for three years in a row, I'm going to go through, and maybe, maybe put that on the five on the on the five year plan. That three mm-hmm. out of those five years, three in a row are going to be at least um, scripture. Could be yeah. great. Yes. I think of your uh, aunt Janice, who had read yes. through the entire Bible every year for twenty five or maybe thirty years. Yeah, We've yes. been reading on the radio and the internet here. We've been making uh, the whole Bible available to people uh, reading, hearing the Bible mm-hmm. for 22 years now. And that, that's... Uh, so see, three sounds a lot easier now, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> three doesn't sound so, so hard. So, so that's what you can do. It's go to thebibleline.com mm-hmm. every weekday morning mm-hmm. and just listen to a 20... 20, 15, 20 minute reading from the scriptures, and you'll read the entire Bible every year. And then join us here on the weekend, and we'll talk about this the history involved, mm-hmm. the people involved, the events that happened, and the greatness uh, and the mercy of our God who guided this entire process for the blessing of the people in the book or reading about, mm-hmm. but also for, 
for our blessing and our instruction because we can profit by reading about their walk with God, where they failed, how they had the success, and so on. We can we can learn from their experience, and uh, and I, I believe that it's very important the reading of the scriptures. Yes. I told you that I think it's one of the predecessing. A preceding uh, aspect of revival right. is a general interest or uh, expansion of the reading of the Bible mm-hmm. in a dramatic way. So that's one reason we even have the program not to talk about the Bible, but let people hear right. the actual Bible itself, every verse, every chapter, every book mm-hmm. of the Bible. Mm-hmm. And uh, so please come along with us and join in. Uh, but, well, I guess we're ready to get down talking about Ezra and Nehemiah. Yeah. Right now, the history, the historical setting, Stacey, maybe you can remind us of the where, his, where this fits in mm-hmm. history mm-hmm. after the uh, exile the yes. taken in 586, Jerusalem is destroyed. And uh, people have already been taken, but the final group was taken into exile in Babylon 70 years. Mm-hmm. Now we come to uh, the p- political situation had changed. Um, the Babylonian Empire had fallen mm-hmm. and taken over by the um, um, Persians. Uh, Persians. Uh, they call it uh, the Medo-Persians. the Medes, <laughs> Medes and Persians, uh-huh. and then they enter a whole new grouping. and And maybe you could tell us about the leaders uh, yeah. of it is kind the of political yeah. front. Sure. Well, that's one of the things that is. Uh, tough, maybe for me. That's why it took three years. Maybe it won't take three years for you, no. and even three. But uh, there are so many names, and of course, empires that sound familiar. But it is it's pretty confusing. Um, yes, I mean, it you've is. got Artaxerxes, Xerxes. You've got everybody has like at least two names. You've yeah, got Daniel it, it, and Belshazzar. Yeah, Artaxerxes. Ahasuerus, Ahasuerus the second, and then you have Darius, yes. Cyrus, right. and most and you have of takeover, have, and yeah. you had the Assyrians, and then yes. you have the Babylonians. The Babylonians defeated the Assyrians, and then you have the Medo Persians beating, defeating the Babylonians, and then the, and then, the Persians, and, and then, then it's just the Persians, and then so there's a lot of, um, which it, which is, and then comes. Alexander and then the Alexander the Great, right, and then right into the Roman Empire, which is one thing you have talked about. What is so cool? It cool is Daniel's uh, dream, and you know the statue and the empires, and I mean he's just spot on. Um, but he, it is really fun. It's it can be a little bit difficult and tedious to sift through all of the names, but when you have a history, uh, like a love for history and people and just events, I mean, this is, this is really exciting and a, and a lot of fun. It's also fun because 
of course, the Bible is so rich and a wonderful resource for historians and archaeologists, but it's not the only one. Um, I think one of the I was I was going to read a quick excerpt. So we read from the New Living Translation, and which is wonderful. It's a great study Bible. Um, we actually used this for our VBS this past week, which, real quickly, we were in, studying Jonah. Oh. And, uh, and it was so fun to be able to bring that story to life for the kids and put it into context with Nineveh and knowing uh, the, of course, uh, intense rivalry and hatred for the Assyrians, of which Nineveh is the capital. Um, so it, you do, you're able to go into even things like VBS with a lot mm-hmm. more confidence. Yeah. But um, this is a great, we, and we read the New Living Translation to the kids because uh, we just thought it was a great translation for them. But Israel's history intersected at vital points with world history. For Israel was a real and vital part of the ancient Near East. These points of contact and overlap help to illustrate the authenticity, validity, and reliability of the biblical writer's presentation of this time of death and rebirth. Talking about the, of course, uh, the Israelites. Um, but and and as far as what else, where else in uh, history this is recorded, these events are clearly recorded in the Babylonian Chronicle, which is a series of cuneiform Babylonian tablets covering roughly the years 745 to 100 BC. Uh, So it's a lot of fun to be able to cross-reference this scripture's with things that, uh, and you even see in the writing, Darius. uh, uh, Maybe Nehemiah as well. You have excerpts, you yes. have a record yes. of uh, of a certain edict that uh, that uh, uh, Cyrus put out, and it was questioned. Darius went through the archives, mm-hmm. went through the files, and he saw that, yeah, it's here, that, right. and he wrote a letter. And, and we have, even quoted in Edra, are several of these important uh, governing uh, edicts, right. and it make it so interesting, and not only interesting, but to, to those they add to the truth claims yeah. of the scriptures. These are not made up stories; they really happened, and God really moved in a way dramatically right. to uh, move forward His plan for the human race, and that. That's uh, very important to see as well, right? Uh, and a lot of and a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, but when, since we do have so many names and dates, I did want to. I mean, that's for me when you're playing Trivial Pursuit. That's one of the funnest parts: <laughs> the yeah. names and the dates. So I do want to um, stick to maybe the and, and ask some questions this week. Um, we only have about five minutes left in this segment. Uh, we have been reading Ezra. We we finished Ezra and we started. Uh, let's see, did we finish Nehemiah actually this week? Um, and, and Nehemiah, I don't. We have. We may have to end up Nehemiah and then do Esther. And then Esther, right. I think we read Esther in one reading. I'm yes, not sure Esther of that. Esther is in one so. reading. I read and then we'll go back to Corinthians. But. Yes. 
Wow. Yes, we, we did. We got through Ezra and Nehemiah. Um, and so we'll, we'll kind of, we've talked a little bit about these are post-exilic um, books, uh, most likely. Well, at one point, these were probably, like many of these books, combined. They weren't two separate, but we have it now in modern in, in two separate books um, written by Ezra, at least Ezra and Nehemiah. <laughs> yeah, Ezra was, uh, we think it, he wrote, the Chronicles, yes. or at least had a hand in mm-hmm. compiling the Chronicles. And then it's kind of like Luke and Acts. You wrote the Gospel of Luke, right. but he continued in Acts. Ezra had that kind of feel for the Chronicles moving right on into Ezra. Right. That same feeling. Okay. And it can be uh, even the way that, uh, why is it ordered like this? Dad, I'm putting you on the spot. Sorry. But why do we have Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther before Isaiah and Jeremiah? There are sections uh, of history, uh, poetry, Okay. instructions the law right. and then the prophets so they the prophets they, so they go put back this part and with start history. The, the earliest prophets right. and move through them so this is uh, not the, chrono you know our, our no. scriptures our bible is not ordered chronologically no so just what well, it is in a way in the history section right. but then when they take come to the uh prophets they go back to the beginning and you see the prophet and you see under which king he yes. functioned and, and right. exercised his ministry. Right. Now, you have a great chart on that, by the way. So if you are, so really while you're reading the history, a fun exercise can be to cross-reference and try and figure which prophet is uh, right. relevant at this time or is preaching at this time, and you can kind of... Put those put on top in, of one another. Yeah, put them in there. Have a great chart, and the, then you understand life. then their messages a lot better because right. you understand oh, the setting is, mm-hmm. in which they exercise their ministry. Right. Uh, now, Haggai and Zechariah, Haggai, and Malachi are the three prophets at the end of the Old Testament. They are three prophets that exercise their men, ministry post. Post exile, right. uh, they come in on, on the tail end of Nehemiah and so on. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's a little tidbit. That's what the right. So that's an, on the prophet side of things. What's happening mm-hmm. during Ezra and Nehemiah? Um, all right. Well, let's. I'm going to put out a couple of questions. Yeah. If we have any friends or I'm family. In or, which questions did you which choose? I'm going uh, to go with one of the, the first questions because I really like saying his name because I can. <laughs> what two prophets accompanied Zerubbabel? <laughs> a lot of bees, Zerubbabel, helping him and the first returning exiles. And you just said this. And yes. so if you're listening, uh, what two prophets accompanied Zerubbabel, helping him and the first returning exiles? And so uh, in these books of history, Ezra and Nehemiah, you have the accompanying prophets that prophesied during that time. And these are two of the post-exilic prophets. Uh, who are they? There so, were 50,000 people, wow. uh, 45 to 50,000 people who returned in that first group. Okay. Wow. 
uh, about how many were exiled? Was it they were all exiled, right? And returning to yes, Canaan, right? How many there were? How many were they when they were exiled? Was it three hundred? Oh, uh, when they went to Babylon? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, there were a lot more than there. They okay. went in several groups, right. starting in um, five ninety three, okay. then five. Uh, no, 605, then 592, and final uh, 586. Okay. So there were large groups that went. Okay. Uh, well, here is our music for our first break. I'm going to put one more question out there. Okay. Which king of Persia researched the archives, found the original order to rebuild the temple, and authorized the Jews to resume construction of the temple in Jerusalem? We also mentioned this. It's found in Ezra chapter 6. Yes, verse 1, if that helps. So both of those questions are in Ezra. We would love uh, to hear from you, 210-340-9585. And that's the end of our first segment. We'll come back, talk more about the questions, Ezra and Nehemiah. You're listening to The Bible Life. Live and this is Stacy and uh, um, Soapy is your host though he's here as well and we're going through the book of Ezra and Nehemiah uh, it's a it's a lot of fun it's a lot of names it's a lot of empires and dates and uh, Ezra he's got to be up there in terms of for historians and archaeologists. Ezra has to be one of their favorite people because he does a great job, kind of like Luke in the in the New mm-hmm. Testament. They're just very um, detailed and great writers, and gives a lot of dates. Gives a lot of dates. Gives a lot people of cross names. references with yes. other um, other resources at, at the time, other uh, his uh, writings, which is also is is fun. You know, it wasn't that long before I oh, my son goes through a book, the story of the world for school and they of course study about Assyria and Babylon and all but uh, that it was the Archibonopal who was one of the emperors of Assyria who uh, um, put together one of the first and largest libraries in Nineveh mm. Nineveh and so that was and of course we know I mean uh, cuneiform and Egyptian you know uh, writing hieroglyphics. hieroglyphics had been around but uh, writing was was very much a a thing and especially in those 
in the powerful circles, these kings, these empires wanted chronicles of, of their deeds and of the their people great of victories. Their, <laughs> and, yes. yeah, yeah. and so it's neat to do that. So it can be a little bit tedious, but a lot of fun as well. Uh, you can kind of think of it. Um, well, I, don't, I think it's also really fun. These are the history, you know, the books of history. And uh, so the, within the books of history, it is like you said, Dad, it is chronological. And so we are post-exilic. This is after they had been exiled to Babylon. And then uh, the Medo-Persians take over and Cyrus uh, allows the Jews to return back to Canaan. And so this is that return. So they've returned, and now they're rebuilding the temple. And so it's the post-exilic. Now, then, once we get into the prophets, which is the last books of the Old Testament, uh, it starts, it's it's chronological, but from the, with the prophets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so what you do is you just take the prophets of this time period, and you can kind of Overlay, overlay them. them. Mm-hmm. That's thank you, exact word. Overlay them, and it's fun to read them together. But uh, that was one of the questions we had. What two prophets accompanied Zerubbabel, helping him and the first returning exiles? So that's in Ezra chapter five, uh, verse one, and they're also just I guess a hint. They're their books of the Bible. They're the prophets, two prophets. Um, and then the other question was, which king of Persia researched the archives, found the original order to rebuild the temple, and authorized the Jews to resume construction of the temple in Jerusalem? So I'll give you a little bit of a hint. This is a different, this is a different king than the one who allowed them to return. So this is the next guy. <laughs> yeah, but. you know a fascinating, uh, a fascinating feature of this period is the the effect and the impact that Daniel's life yes. had on right. the Babylonian Persian empires and right. so on. Yeah, I, I really. I wish I knew more about exactly the times and so on of Daniel's uh, life and ministry because he had a tremendous influence uh, of that giving favor yes. in the part of the leaders, yes. favor that they then showed to Israel. Right. I mean, a miraculous ministry, mm-hmm. really. It spanned mm-hmm. decades, and it spanned... How many different empires? Three, three different empires. Yes, and f- four, four kings, four kings, four three or empires. five. Four. That's I, I can't remember. That's, right off that's my head. survival. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty amazing. Well, um, I, right. I'll just give in general. Cyrus is the one who started the ball rolling. Mm-hmm. He's the one that issued uh, his. Uh, Edict allowing them, he reversed the practice of moving people out of their country and taking them into exile. He reversed that and gave Israel, for example, freedom to return. Mm-hmm. Uh, he conquered Babylon, he established a policy of returning exiles to their, uh, their homeland. And he sent, he's the one who sent Jerubbabel, oops, 
Oh, that's right. I didn't give away an answer. No. Yeah. Since Zerubbabel, it's hard to say, financed his project and returned the gold and silver articles that Nebuchadnezzar had removed from the temple. Poor dad. We, we this is a about, rough. <laughs> we read about hard. that in Edra. Yes. Sorry. Uh, these are hard names to say, though. Yeah. He, he probably, he probably knew Daniel. So right. that was Cyrus. Then we come to Daniel in five, uh, I'm sorry, Darius in 522. Yes. And he had his, his own history and events. Right. And so Darius is that famous, I mean, he's, wasn't he the short-lived handwriting on the wall with Daniel? I believe that Darius Belch, was a short-lived. Who's also Balthasar. Daniel is Balthasar. Uh-huh. Balthasar is Darius's, uh, I guess, would that be his... He his well we're not sure well, I don't but he's know. got two names. Everybody's <laughs> got at least two names. Two ways. Oh boy, I like um, know that. Right, but Darius, I believe, is the handwriting on the wall guy. Um, he, what was the year that he? So actually, from five twenty two to four eighty six. Okay. Um, and so he is the one. Um, I guess we'll give this give this away but he is he was researching he was looking through the archives and what is fascinating to me is that uh, there must have been some real intention and maybe this goes to your point about Daniel's influence maybe he had just you know the Hebrew people on his mind because I mean they were already returned but he's going through these archives and sees the temple uh how how to how to build it, all these temple plants and it, he kind of is his own initiative yeah. uh puts all the temple it should be, furnishings he yes, put them back in yes. there the gold cups and yes. it's as if he utensils. had a vested interest and wanted to see this happen uh, as well and so he sends Zerubbabel and he's the first Zerubbabel let's see I believe is the is he actually become governor um, yes. He's the, yeah. a political leader, and he's in charge of the rebuilding um, process in the first and So you years. had Cyrus and then Darius. Uh, Darius. And then uh, you get the first Xerxes. So from 486 to 465, and this is uh, Xerxes of Esther fame. Of what? <laughs> Ahasuerus. Uh, right. Ahasuerus is also his. <laughs> Another name. And maybe the reason that would is because you also have an Artaxerxes who comes after Xerxes. Mm. And so he's 465 to 424. And uh, he is what kind of, I guess, rounds out. He's, he's who has um, Nehemiah, allows both Ezra and Nehemiah to return to Jerusalem. Okay. And that rounds out. Yeah. Well, that takes Nehemiah us to in particular. Remember, he has he's a cupbearer to the uh, to Ahasuerus. Oh, okay, I guess it is. Okay, and he's a cupbearer to Xerxes or Artaxerxes. He's his cupbearer, mm-hmm. and we read about him in the opening chapters of right. Nehemiah, and he receives. His blessing to go and help 
rebuild the walls, right. not just the temple. Right. That uh, Ezra focused on re- rebuilding the temple and uh, the altar and so on, and then uh, Nehemiah focused on re- rebuilding the walls around the city. Mm-hmm. Took fifty six days, I think it was. No, yes, took, which Almost is like uh, yeah, 50, something not fifty two or fifty six. Exactly, yeah. um, which again, with the detail, that's amazing. But also, it's a pretty impressive building. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, the uh, um, I love what you said and and have you mentioned this before the program and we were just talking, but. It's often said that those, you know, those who have studied histories of revival, I think you said it was uh, Edwin Orr, J, Dr. Edwin yes. Orr, who had uh, done a study on the history of revivals and that it's always preceded by a real fervent of of movement of prayer. And uh, you said, I, had, I don't know if I've, you've not done necessarily in-depth studies, but from what you have seen, a lot of these movements of prayer have been preceded by a public reading of the scriptures out loud, a a new, it's almost like a, a refresh, a new discovery of scripture and of it reading out loud. Josiah is one of them. Yes. And then here you've got Ezra yes. reading the law um, before, and then followed by Nehemiah's great prayers. They send out in the rain. They send out, and he reads the scriptures, and it's they stand in the rain, Aww. listening to God's yeah. word, and, yes. and they weep and they cry and they call out to God, and they take steps right. to when they discover something they've been doing wrong. They, they acknowledge it, they repent, they mm-hmm. change, and it's just amazing. Uh, yeah, it's it's kind of a theory of mine that the Bible, the the expansion of the of the presence of God's word uh, is one of the factors that precedes revival. Mm-hmm. Uh, J. Noor definitely. Uh, well researched, yes, a right. very good historian, mm-hmm. and he talked about the role of prayer mm-hmm. in spiritual awakening. Uh, I wish someone would do the, the role of the Bible right. in spiritual, spiritual awakening. I yes. think it would discover that there's always been an expansion of the of the impact of right. the presence of God's word. Well, I remember I love, Gutenberg, uh-huh, the right. printing press of Gutenberg yes. in. Uh, the mid 400 helped bring about the Great Awakening, and then mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, well, I love, Bible became yeah. accessible to all people. Yes, I, that uh, we love because He loved us first. It, it, if you think of it, kind of like a relationship. Um, he always was the initiator. Yes. He, he he, and so His His word coming to us. His He loved us first. So maybe. He initiated with scripture, with his mm-hmm. word, and our response is prayer. And then you get um, that beautiful back and forth and that, that point of revival, maybe. I don't know. That it would make sense, though, that, yes, he would be the initiator, and it would be yeah, right. um, a start He gave with scripture. us a book. <laughs> he gave us a book. A book. book. <laughs> yes. And the he, book. And, yeah. uh-huh, and um, 
Oh, it's a great book. Well, let's see. You're listening to The Bible Live. Um, we have two questions out there. One of them we, I'm going to go ahead and pull it. Yeah, we we uh, answered the king of Persia that researched the archives. It was Darius. So Darius um, came after Cyrus. Um, the first question, though, was what two prophets accompanied Zerubbabel? Helping him and the first returning exiles. I think that one's kind of a, a fun one just because you can know in context uh, as you're reading the history which prophets are uh, writing and preaching in during that time. Well, let's see. Let's do one more question. And why was Ezra too embarrassed to ask the emperor for a military escort for the group of Jews who returned with him? This, now, the, this is kind the, of an interesting... The, the military escort had already been offered to him. Wow. You can have this... Remember, this is a 900-mile right. journey, many dangers mm-hmm. of thieves and so on in the mm-hmm. road. And the emperor offered him uh, an armed uh, escort to protect the things that they were carrying. Remember, they were carrying right. the Gold tools and instruments the, yeah. for the for the, the temple. temple, and he turned it down. And it tells us in the in uh, Ezra eight verse twenty one, it tells us why Ezra turned down the offer of a of a military escort. Mm-hmm. Eight, uh, chapter eight, verse twenty one. Love it. Uh, this, well, I kind of want to, maybe it's uh, how much time do we have, um, John? We have enough time. Okay, good. I'm, there's also a section as I was listening this week, we're talking uh, um, marriage. You, you talk, there's a, quite a bit about, because here they come back, they return to Canaan, and it's not quite like it was the first time when they had to you know, regain the land and the Philistines and Joshua and all those, you know, wars. Um, but you do. There were there some were, enemy people. Yes, there were people that were had, had filled in and had settled there. Remember, um, Israel in the north had long since been gone. And mm. so you've really just got this Judah. And now that's, you know, people have filled in. And at, when, at first, the people were very determined to remain pure and stay true to God's laws, remain um, marry only those that are were believers. believers, right? And then you, though, do have a section where some had intermarried, had, had married non-believers. And I thought it was... Uh, and it talks about how they repented and they were suffering and they divorced them. I mean, it said, and it says divorced and it, it's a tough, it's kind of a tough, mm-hmm. it's a tough concept because it was written and celebrated as a good thing that they've separated from that because they were never meant to have married, but divorce and you can't anything mm-hmm. oh that can't yeah. be good and it reminds me of that situation that you had a, kind of on a, a personal story that you had shared um, maybe this is kind of more into counseling but this speaks i mean this is what scripture does scripture counsels us but um of that story that you mentioned and a dear friend had um, gotten himself in trouble 
and uh, had um Oh, yeah. Yes. And I don't want to share details or be too specific because it's tough. It's hard. But, I mean, it's real. It's it's, It's a tough story. It's very A man that I counseled and discipled in Spain, Mm -hmm. he had, uh, he was American. He uh, he was married to one woman and had a son. Mm -hmm. She had left him. They had not divorced, but she had left them and come back to the States. Okay. He started uh, right. a relationship with a Spanish woman. Okay. And in the meantime, and they were living together, and she became pregnant. Mm-hmm. Not married. In the midst of right. this no. complicated, convoluted situation, he gave his life to Christ oh, oh, and, yeah. and trusted Christ as Savior mm-hmm. and began to try to follow the Lord. Right. Well, it, uh, almost immediately he ran into the question of what's the right thing to do? Right. Yeah. Do I go back to my wife right. and son yes. or do I divorce her and and continue with his Spanish wife? Who, by the way, he had led her to Christ. Oh. Yes. Oh, well, not, no, because, not married, no. Right, no. because they weren't, but, he wasn't actually divorced. But he had okay. led her to Christ, oh. and she gladly see the Lord. Right. But now he's stuck. Yeah. And he asked me well, early in our relationship, <laughs> what's no the pressure. right thing for me to do? What's, yes, exactly. What's the right thing to do? Right. And I told him, you, there's not uh, a right. I, and I don't want to get any phone calls about this <laughs> because, uh, well, I, I don't mind. But I told him, uh, Jerry, you can't right do the the right thing. The, right. There's no right choice you can make. Mm-hmm. What you have to think about is what is it less less evil, the less what's going to do the least harm. Mm-hmm. And in a way, we have to look at this uh, this law as your passes, and not a law, but the practice of which would be the greater harm to the nation, to the community, mm-hmm. uh, continuing these marriages with someone who doesn't share your faith or uh, divorcing and and moving to a marriage that fit uh, mm-hmm. the law that, mm-hmm. that someone shared the faith. Mm-hmm. And I guess it would receive, and maybe this is something we need to think about, because the New Testament adds the, the same right. uh, warning to mm-hmm. believers, right. uh, be not equally joined together with an unbeliever. Right. And, and, and marriage is such an intimate, powerful relationship that uh, it that very definitely can compromise a person's faith to be married to someone who doesn't share that right. faith. I, faith. I, I, um, you know, Tim and Kathy Keller, I guess I've been reading a lot of Tim just because of his recent home going, but uh, they wrote together a book, The Meaning of Marriage, I believe it's called. And yes, they speak, of course, quite a bit about that uh, to believers. And I think it's Kathy that 
that's commented and said, if you think you're lonely as a Christian, if you think you're lonely before getting married because you're not married, oh, you've never experienced loneliness. There's nothing more lonely than being in a marriage with an unbeliever. And I thought that was very, that was, that was very, because, you know, a lot of times you're hoping to, and and that uh, understandably to marriage to true have faith. companionship and true faith is a very deep deep commitment right. and to go to the heart the core of our of our being as mm-hmm. a person mm-hmm. and if the, our partner does mm-hmm. not share that that mm-hmm. it's very lonely more be, lonely than being alone <laughs> it can very much cause you to compromise mm-hmm. in your own faith mm-hmm. so. But anyway, uh, that's yes. um, well. Your story when I was reading that it reminded me, and I thought that was I've always uh, you told me that many years ago, and I've always thought that was a, a kind of a Solomon like wisdom you know, <laughs> in well, a way. I just providentially liked, I had re- reading a book by uh, a well known uh, I can't remember the name now, but he was an ethicist ethicist <laughs> <laughs> and he talked about that and right. that i read that on the train ride from barcelona to zaragoza wow that was and so when i got there i had got the an thing. answer <laughs> at least so uh, it helped yes well it's it's very um i think a lot of times especially i don't know i thought of this in our several every time there's an election i kind of think of this um because as um, americans I think we're very used to options. It's not too often that we're painted into a corner because we've always got some way of getting out of it, right? We can call somebody, we can hop in the car, we can you know, redirect, we can, we've just got so many, you know, you can't take, you can't drive, well then take the subway, or yeah. get a bike, take a boat, take a ferry, take yeah. a train, an airplane, I and mean, we've just got so many options. And so, it's kind of a rare thing, and I, th- I think maybe because we're used to that on one level, we think that when it comes to decision-making or sort of moral quandaries, we have that same ability to spin things and play. Like, you know, we're always able to wiggle out of stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, But every now and then, there's a this or that, and, and I think it's... And we always want to try and control it and make it so that it at least sits right in our own moral compass, right? We at least want to make it. We have one to see things as black and white, good and evil. And and we want to come out as the one that's available. And sometimes, though, I think it's a very true and healthy thing to realize we can't. A lot of our decisions, a lot of the decisions that we face in life are not from good and evil clearly, but they're they're part of On the outside, idea. everything looks fine, but on the, the inside, unseen enemy. <laughs> right, the least bad. Um, and I think there's a lot of freedom in that, in a way. I mean, that's actually, in, in many ways, the gospel. It's by grace that we've been saved. When it comes down to it, we cannot make the, the right the decision. Cross, the cross right. of Jesus is the only right. level moral ground in the universe. That's right. oh, I love that. Well, we are at a, our time, end of our second segment. We will be back and wrap up the Bible Live, Book of Ezra and Nehemiah. Please. 
was with God and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. this last week at our church and uh, that's always fun it is fun <laughs> it's tough in this heat but you know i think mm. our church i think we're on to something we do uh, our vbs in the evenings we start and we finish at six thirty, and then we have dinner for all of the kids all of their parents and, uh, so what time do y'all start? 4.30. So it's just a couple of hours, but it's, and it's not too hot. I mean, it's still pretty hot. This week was a scorcher. But do y'all go out? I mean, only on the last day, which is just water, water day. And so it's just as much water, water balloons, water, <laughs> water, water everywhere. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's not too, it's not too tough. Um, and we'll, we'll relate my son nine. He loved it. And it's, it's just a special time. It's a lot of hard work though. Boy, to all yes. of you who are volunteers, a lot of, tired, for a lot of <laughs> tired parents and volunteers. We have some awesome, talented, 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 um, ladies who, uh, who work really hard on VBS, but anyway, you are listening to the Bible Live. This is Stacy, and I'm here with my dad, Soapy, who is your host, and he's still recovering from the stroke about four months. It's been about four months yeah. now, so thank four you all for ago. your prayers, and uh, well, he's... We're trying to find our way yeah, back. Get yeah. that speech. I don't think walk. it affected his mind, though, at all. I don't, I don't No, it's so. no better at all, is it? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, his mind is still yeah, sharp. Well, it is. I've been hoping uh, to affect my mind and make it better, but uh, <laughs> right. Well, let's move on to ne- Nehemiah. Before we okay. yes, real quickly, we had talked. Uh, we ended that last segment. We were talking about that point in Ezra towards the end that he was just grieving over the intermarriages um, and by those they had married. And these were the priests. Some of the priests had married mm-hmm. um, women who were not believers and even had children. Um, and so with and that's important things, that we see that this is not racially based. Right. No. It's right. a matter yes. of faith. Correct. Right. When I say you intermarried, right, that's right. Mm-hmm. Um, because, of course, well, yes, it is not racial at all. This is truly, it is uh, just faith. Um, they were not uh, believers. 
And uh, one, I just wanted to quickly, like you said, Ezra, when he prays, and it's a sweet, it's a beautiful prayer in chapter nine. And when he uses the pronouns and when he's, I mean, he had, he had not intermarried. He, he had not, he was not married to an unbeliever, but he prays and he says, we, and he includes himself in this. And it just, uh, similar to Daniel, when yeah. Daniel, and he says, we, and he assumes the guilt. He puts himself in the place. I think he had a very humble, a humble heart, a humble attitude about it, heartbroken, but not uh, self-righteous about it. Very humble approach. And I thought that was um, probably, uh, well, it, it, I would probably one of the reasons why so many uh, also repented. I think it may have had that effect right. because the uh, humility and, and before the Lord, brokenness right. before the Lord, and people confess their sin, right. and they took steps to try to, we got, tried to. Yes, uh, and they didn't take it lightly. This. You know, we talked about how sometimes there are situations we so very much, I think, in our self-righteousness, maybe and in our pride, we don't want to be put into a corner where we have, where we can't make a right decision. Um, we want to always be in a position where we're able to make a right decision. And sometimes, though, often times, actually, life, you know, we... We, uh, there is no right decision. You've already made the mistake, and now you're in a position where there's no, no right way. And that's tough because, of course, you don't want to say, well, well, then I can just do it at once. And so what is the wise thing? What is the counsel? And I love that you can look at Ezra chapter, end of chapter 9 and into uh, into 10, chapter 10. They and did not take it lightly. They did no. not take it lightly. They all met. They, In fact, they met on December 29th and then again on March, what is it, 25th, uh, March 27th. The leaders sat down to investigate the matter. The first day of the new year, they had finished dealing with all the men who had married pagan wives. So it took months from December to March and a lot of prayer and a lot of repentance. And so, but in the end, they divorced those wives and separated from those wives and who, who were not believers. And that must have been heartbreaking. And you can see why there was because the other quick thing I wanted to note too, and you mentioned why were they so, uh, but they talk about that remnant in, in Ezra nine and his prayer, he talks about the, the remnant Mm -hmm. and, yeah. I mean, I think we can understand this. We can probably get a sense of that remnant and what that must be like. But, you know, that's a really heart-wrenching. Um, I think of, you know, what I what it reminds me of is Saving Private Ryan. Yes. You know, when at the very end, it kind of gets me teary, but when he says, earn it, when he tells them now, you know, they gave, these men gave their life for you. Now you go and you earn earn it oh, <laughs> you wow. earn the, and the, it <laughs> kind of makes you yeah it does it just gives you chills and then um and then of course you cut to the end and you see him and his family's joined him and you get the idea that he has he's lived a productive good life he's got grandchildren and his um i yeah. actually i watched schindler's list i hadn't watched that in a long time i watched it again last night 
I just kind of random and just I don't know why I decided to, but um, it's always so touching and just yeah. so precious. And I think it's 1,100 Jews that Oscar Schindler was able to save. And you see at the end each one of them, you know, coming and then their families. And it's, I think there's 11 grandkids. Yes, and great and grandkids. And, yes. And, yeah. and um, but there's a sense of. Uh, how precious life is and how, um, and that you were spared, you know, and that you, and maybe that's, that's the same tone that mm-hmm. this remnant of Jews who have returned, um, that's yeah. the, cause they return and they're so intent on staying pure and, and doing it kind of correctly this time. And they've gone through a lot. I mean, that siege before Babylon took them was brutal. And uh, and then to survive all those years in exile and then to return home. Well, most of these were born in exile. Right. So this would have been their uh, parents, yeah. what their grandparents, or when they were very young, what they had Experience are born in the exile, and that's why they had to be reminded of who they were right. and, and so on, right. and why the census and the um, uh, genealog- genealogies <laughs> I'm sorry, that's a hard word too uh, were so important because they were claiming a home that was once their families, and right. they had to establish that right. as a fact and so on. Oh. But uh, it, uh, this is a remarkable time, yeah. a remarkable situation, um, and uh, it was a time of deep spiritual revival. But it is interesting. Then we go into uh, Nehemiah, and uh, let's see, I... And the the interesting thing to me, though, is it it kind of ends um, on a it, it's kind of anticlimactic, though, actually, in a in a way. Who Ezra or Nehemiah? Nehemiah. Nehemiah. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. And uh, which is sweet uh, in that I guess it would be anticlimactic because it's not it's, it's not end. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> It's not the revelation. It's it's Nehemiah. Yeah, that's right. um, He is writing somewhere, uh, forget the date that he wrote his, uh, probably in the latter part of the 5th century, uh, in the low 400, 420, 415 uh, B.C., and it starts right out at the beginning. Nehemiah is serving in the court of Artaxerxes. And he, one remarkable, uh, th- one remarkable thing to, ta- to be aware of and to track as you read through the book of Nehemiah are the 13 prayers. Oh, Nehemiah wow. actually prays yeah. 13 times during the book and different uh, a situation will rise up and it'll say, and Nehemiah prayed, oh Lord, that and it's very interesting, his prayer life and the content of his prayers is very interesting. Uh, he goes to a lot of situations. Uh, the first prayer is there as he's uh, talking to the emperor 
And the emperor said, uh, what's wrong? How come your your face is downcast? And and he had to throw up a quick prayer to the Lord. (laughs) Oh, Lord, help me get back. Because you don't go sad into the emperor's presence. You know, you want everybody to be upbeat and happy. And... uh, and so he prayed that he'll have the right letter, the right tone, uh-huh. the right thing to say to, to the emperor. And as it turned out, the emperor turned around and said, "Will you, you take everything you need and go out there and build that wall, you know, around the city." Uh-huh. It's amazing, um, uh, amazing story. I, I just want to mention, paradoxically, I believe this. Or the Xerxes is the if you see the movie three hundred three hundred yes with the Greeks uh, uh, not the, not Athenians the um, the Greek the other ones the Spartans uh, the, well, the Spartans yeah three hundred okay. uh, held off a great army of Persians that were trying to attack them. Yes, this was Artaxerxes uh, trying Artaxerxes to attack. That depicted, I believe, in that movie, in the, the, in the event itself. Right. So, and that is also the Artaxerxes, I believe, I'm not sure, that, <laughs> of uh, Esther. I think Xerxes is Esther, and Artaxerxes. Uh, Xerxes is Esther. Okay, yes, good. Yes. Well, one of these two, because we're going to read <laughs> right. Esther tomorrow Next. and uh, get in uh, her experience in yeah. the middle of all of this. It's so fascinating. God's still working with his people. Mm-hmm. He's still protecting. Mm-hmm. He's still guiding the process mm-hmm. to be able to keep his promise to them and to the world by sending the Messiah, mm-hmm. Jesus the Messiah, can't, is going to have to come to these people, mm-hmm. so they have to be uh, preserved and restored to the land, right. and that's what he's accomplishing in the in Ezra and Nehemiah, mm-hmm. and of course through Esther, he keeps them from being wiped out. Mm-hmm. So, it's a great God that I we know. serve. It is, and it's so interesting to. Um, to just remember that these things did not happen uh, on an, an on an island. They were not because uh, uh, all along. I mean, you still have Egypt doing Egypt things, and you still have you know have who's right like you just said the Greeks. You have the Greek islands and uh, all doing Greek things, yeah. <laughs> and you've got. Uh, let's see who were some of the other, and then you've got, um, you know, of course the scattered people. I still think of the scattered people of of yeah. the north, the Israelites of the north, and the Assyrians absolutely uh, scattered them. They never returned, but they were somewhere. And uh, you've got so it's not only that he's preserving them, but he is, prof- he's. He's using them to make profound impact in the mid. I mean, when we think of Esther and the Jews of the, I mean, it's just a small people group, though, for the most. But you know, we tend to think of that because uh, uh, so Jew centered. You know, it's. Mm-hmm. But I mean, this is a huge empire. 
And the Jews were probably just a pretty small people group, in fact, because many of them had already returned mm-hmm. <laughs> back to uh, uh, to Canaan. And so is that right at this point? Yes. Yeah, but- because Xerxes, mm-hmm. yes, and many had already. So it's not as if, I mean, there's, there's not. And yet they're making this huge impact. Esther rises to be queen and to a watching world. I mean, what did that say to the, however, the, to the Persians at the time? And then, uh, and, and so he's preserving them, but also using them uh, to share. I mean, it wasn't that long ago that you did have the great revival in Nineveh. I mean, it was yep. maybe 600,000 people in Nineveh that, I mean, they believe a, a true, real revival Yes, some of the most evil. <laughs> One of the great, great revivals revival of the time. recorded. Right. It said from the emperor on down to the least yes. among them. Yes. That a great spiritual revival that God brought about. And it, again, it's about preserving this people group yes. and through them preserving a witness yes. to who God is, yes. the true and living and God. Always, and always, yes, and always bringing people to the knowledge of him. Yes. Always. And uh, so from the Assyrians to the Babylonians to the Egyptians, always throughout those that had an ear to hear. Um, and I love how, you know, he says, they will be my people and I will be there. I will be their God and they will be my people. We yep. tend to think of that as just the, the Jewish people. And, it, but it's, it's not, it's any of, yeah. uh, any of those that and called on his known name. For it with that faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, even now, Alexander the Great, I remember uh, some quote about some, account of his approach when his armies approached Jerusalem. Oh. And I I can't remember exactly, but you can Google it. Uh, <laughs> there go. Look up when Alexander the Great mm. before Jerusalem mm-hmm. and, and read about here they were known for their God, for their mm. faith. And that uh that that was their first role is to stand for God Mm-hmm. to uh, keep alive the vision and the understanding of one true God, the Creator. Mm-hmm. The second was that I'm going to bring through you in your the your seed the oh. Messiah. So Same. those are two things that we see happening under Ezra and Nehemiah and Esther, yeah. that, that, that role, that promise that God made, it being kept yeah. and, and that we doing it. get to be grafted into that. I yeah, just, it's we're so part of that fun. now. Yeah, we're part <laughs> of Israel. Our, this we're, is our history. Yeah, we're part of God's people. Mm. So it's it's tremendous. Nehemiah took uh, a smaller group. He didn't take, uh, I think, about two thousand, and he goes and. Uh, do you want to answer those questions, by yeah. the way? Okay, okay, let's do it. Maybe uh, forward moving to Nehemiah. Sure. 
before, okay, let's see. We had um, asked, why was Ezra too embarrassed to ask the emperor for a military escort for the group of Jews who returned with him? Yeah. That is in Ezra chapter 8, and it was because he had told the emperor that God would protect them. <laughs> That's interesting, though, isn't it? Yeah. He had said that God's going to protect, and the emperor gives him an armed guard. And he turned it down because uh, already God's God going to protect it. And of course, God did protect him. But uh, that is some, that's putting his uh, yeah. money where his mouth was. Though. That's well done, Ezra. And uh, uh, how did he? Uh, yeah, you already t- explained how we uh, how we identified what pronoun does he use okay, in the yes. prayer. So it was, right, we hadn't put the question out there, but that was one of the questions, and we talked about it. Though Ezra had not participated in this sin, what pronoun does he use in his prayer to God that shows he was humbly assuming the guilt of his people? And he said, we. He includes himself. We. He didn't, he didn't say, they, I good. Yeah, All those guys messed up, <laughs> Lord, they right. said, we. Isn't this a, it's a, it's we. nice to read pronouns in that mm. light. Um, okay, I think I that is yeah. our questions for Ezra. We only have, let's see, about five minutes left uh, in the program for now. Thank you, John. <laughs> We're precise. And uh, so let's, let's see, any final notes on Nehemiah uh, going into Esther next week? Um, let's see, one of the things, uh, I guess we we did even kind of talk about how, you know, that the temple, it it is a, a sweet time. I think it's a precious time for the people of uh, the Jewish people, having returned from exile, rebuilt the temple, building of the wall. But there is this sort of disappointment. There's this anticlimactic uh, towards the end of Nehemiah. And I think that that's a- appropriate. That's okay. That's, uh, you know, I think... We often build something up in the expectations of what it's going to be. And sometimes it's just, it's kind of that sense of, um, you know, a, a, re, a revival. We want it to look a certain way and to feel a certain way. Uh-huh. And sometimes it's just steady on. You know, it might not feel like it. There's a, there's a line in your Bravo lesson for the trainees that says you might not feel like a Christian, but it doesn't mean you're not a Christian. Yeah. Or you might feel like one. But it doesn't mean you are, are one. <laughs> yeah, right. You don't go by your feelings, yeah. but the authenticity and what marks an authentic revival, what is the mark of um, their true submission and uh, to to Jehovah, to Yahweh, mm-hmm. and that that has to be what sustains them in the next in the in the coming generations um and and i i think that's good to remember and to note because uh, you yeah that could be a big moment i mean a return right. from exile yeah. well and, I, I like in both of the books how Ezra and then nehemiah how that they they see things from god's perspective and, and Ezra had a good job yeah Great job, cupbearer Cup bear to yes. the emperor, and right. uh, I'm sure there there was prestige and there was right. honor, and he was saved. He had a good income, probably, mm-hmm. but 
he wept because the the city of God would not didn't have walls. And Ezra wept because of the sins of the people and mm-hmm. the temple. And I like the way they they moved. They they were subject to they see they saw things from God's point of view. Right. And that's something we need to be able to see yes. and practice seeing our lives as God sees according to mm-hmm. His purpose. Oh. Uh, Speaking of the weeping, and this is that sweet moment, and Nehemiah 8 records that the people asked Ezra to read the Bible aloud to them, yeah. uh, the Pentateuch probably, and they responded. Uh, they stood at first, and then they bowed and worshipped and wept at the sound of Scripture. Uh, well, this is the Bible Live. It has been so much fun to be here and to talk about Scripture with you. Um, join us this week. We'll read Esther, and next weekend we'll discuss it. Have a wonderful and week. And the Corinthian book. And the Corinthian after, book. After Some of my favorites. I love Corinthians. Have a wonderful week. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 930 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Quiz Show. Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and The Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world.